Citizens in countries from Germany to France are beginning to protest as their energy bills continue to skyrocket. From Italy lighting candles due to the intense increase on their energy bills, to the UK now hosting game shows where getting your energy bill paid is now a huge prize, we can look to Europe's green energy policies and dependency on Russian oil as an example as to what could potentially come to America if we continue to rely on foreign oil while pushing in effective green energy policies. Joining me to discuss this topic is fellow reporter and UK citizen Lewis Brackpool of Rebel News. But before we get into that, please remember that you guys can find Rapid Fire with Savannah Hernandez on Rumble and on podcast. If you do like the show, please go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. And remember that you can find this show anywhere podcasts are streamed. Thank you guys so much for always leaving reviews. It really is your support that keeps this show going. Also, before we jump into this vast array of information, I would like to formally introduce to the show our first official sponsor and and that is Old Country Soap. Now, the reason why I have brought up this product, but I really haven't officially made them a sponsor, is because I never sell a product to you guys that I don't personally use myself. So I have been using Old Country Soap for about a month now. And when I tell you guys, it's absolutely amazing. They're now an official sponsor for the show. So Old Country Soap, old spelled O-L-D-E, discount code SAV for an exclusive 20% discount. That's code S-A-V. The link is down below. Now, uh, these soaps are inspired by traditional Amish soap making techniques. It's a product that is made in the USA on a farm in South Dakota using all natural locally sourced ingredients. Now, these ingredients are incredible for the skin. Oftentimes, you guys are asking me, all right, SAV, what's your skincare routine? It looks great, blah, blah, blah. It's because I use all natural products like this. I'm a big proponent of using healthy products, and this one is one of the best. They use tallow and bentonite clay in their soaps. Bentonite clay, great for drawing impurities from the skin. If you suffer with acne, using this type of soap is going to be incredible for you. And then it's incredibly moisturizing because one of the key ingredients is tallow. So uh, this is the wildflower scent. They also have a lavender scent. They have a tallow scent, maybe for some of the men who don't want, you know, the different scents uh, that also comes with and uh, let me see if I can remember what this is called. It's a uh, sisal fiber soap bag. It's really great for exfoliating the skin and then it holds the soap. So I'd highly suggest you guys go check it out. Again, that is Old Country Soap, O-L-D-E, countrysoap.com. Use coupon code SAV for 20% off. And I promise you, this is a product that you will not regret investing in. Remember to keep your your health of the, your mind and your body at the forefront using American-made incredible products just like this one. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the show because we have a lot going on right now with Russia switching off Europe's main gas pipeline until sanctions are lifted. So this is from the Financial Times, and they basically go on to say that Russia's gas supplies to Europe via the Nord Stream 1 pipeline will not resume in full until the collective West lifts sanctions against Moscow over its invasion of Ukraine, the Kremlin has said. Uh, so Dmitry Peskov, President Vladimir Putin's spokesperson, blamed the EU, the UK, and Canadian sanctions for Russia's failure to, to deliver gas through the key pipeline, which pumps gas to Germany from St. Petersburg via the Baltic Sea. And we're seeing a lot going on with this. And uh, let me go ahead and just bring in my guest now, Louis Brackpool, uh, reporter for Rebel News. Louis, I was going to kind of run through all of these headlines and articles, but I figured I would bring you in to go ahead and kind of you know, delve into all of this with me. Sure. Um, because we're seeing protests in Italy right now, in Germany, in the UK, we're seeing game shows where, you know, they're spinning the wheel and one of the rewards is getting your energy bill paid for. What the hell is going on? Talk to us about the UK. Uh, Lewis Brackpool. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's very, very kind. It's good to uh, see you again. Um, we're in a pretty tight and horrible situation, uh, not just in the UK, but across Europe. And I want to be clear, the politicians, not only in Westminster, but across Europe, are saying this is a cost of living crisis, where actually it's a, a cost of lockdown, eco-fanaticism, and of course, the sanctions upon Russia is what's causing all of this mess uh, in, in, in regards to energy. And to unpack it a bit, 
the government has borrowed roughly around 300 to 400 billion pounds between 2020 and 2021. And this is used on public services such as the NHS, uh, the furlough scheme, which of course was the government printing vast amount of money and just handing it out like coupons. And of course, the coronavirus job retention scheme. And naturally, this has led to immense pressure all over the uh, public sectors and, of course, across lots of different sectors across the, the UK in general. And as if printing billions and billions of pounds won't come back and bite you in the first place. So this is the uh, this is the rippling effects of, of these um, of these measures. Now, the politicians want you want to say that it's because of Ukraine, it's because of the ongoing war when. The UK only relies on about 4% of gas from Russia. So it's important to know the perspective of that. Now, not only that with the, of course, the borrowing of 300 to 400 billion, I mentioned uh, this eco-fanaticism we have in the UK and across Europe. Uh, net zero is a big topic, obviously, a World Economic Forum policy that we keep hearing about and me and you were in davos uh, exploring a lot of that so um yeah i think we both know quite a bit about this uh, anti-human organization but um and let me stop you lewis because uh the net zero right i I saw this article as well and i'm going to run through a couple of headlines Mm. for you just to build on your point Uh, but i found this op-ed this was from last week from the telegraph it says boris can never be forgiven for sacrificing britain to his net zero fantasy and then we were seeing Mm. tweets similar to this one my mom owns a small cafe in leicester our electricity bill has just jumped from twelve thousand dollars a year to sixty four thousand dollars a year so just an example of what we are seeing in Europe as a reminder. And then from um, one of our local outlets over here in the US, UK inflation could top 22% as energy prices soar, Goldman Sachs warns. So I just wanted to add in those headlines there to kind of corroborate what you were saying about the net zero emissions, but please do delve further into that. Yeah. I mean, we've got lots of different policies that, of course, are really crippling certain sectors and, of course, our our economy. Uh, Things such as carbon budgets, taxes, policies and proposals um, to reduce emissions, whatever that means now. Um, These are in sectors such as the agricultural sector, aviation, fuel, electricity supplies, you name it. And this is a big worry because even though we know this is a World Economic Forum styled policy and uh, we're seeing this throughout the West, America as well with 2030, we keep hearing that, that day. The problem is we're so far gone with this eco-fanaticism that the damage has has kind of already been done now, and we're sort of seeing the rippling effects of this. Um, To add to my last point, after mentioning uh, net zero, and that's the sanctions upon Russia now, um, these don't hurt oligarchs, okay? I think it's pretty self-explanatory. This is actually hurting ordinary people. So as we know, the Russian ruble was actually at its highest now than it was before the war even started. So it's interesting to see that we've pledged billions and billions of pounds into sending to Ukraine, whilst, of course, we're going through this awful energy crisis and we're prolonging a proxy war that we shouldn't be a part of in the first place, in my opinion. And now the ordinary people are paying the price for this. And it's and just. I want to ask you about that too, Lewis, because you are over there in the UK right now. Can you talk to us about what life has been like for citizens of the UK? I mean, have you seen the, I guess, energy crisis affect you personally? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, I live with my parents for now whilst I'm I'm saving because and obviously it's just the only way to to get through is just to save and just to hope that there is some sort of resolution as sad as it is but um yeah watching the prices go up um over 300 400 percent is just is unbelievable and it's not sustainable I mean for example three quarters of pubs and we love our pubs here right um so three quarters of pubs are looking to potentially shut down because of these rising costs in electricity and of course just running the meter so it's sad to see that 
you know, a, a very intrinsic and sacred part of our culture here in Britain is almost about to be diminished because because of, well, politicians wanting to prolong uh, not only this war, but um, just not looking out for the people's interests and, and so focused on this climate agenda that they're and, really pushing. And that's what I wanted to ask too, because I feel like this energy crisis is a multifaceted issue, right? I Everyone wants to po- uh, focus in on Russia, Ukraine, but also mm. there is the World Economic Forum, like you brought up, you know, Davos, they've been pushing mm. this green energy policy. So is it really Russia to blame right now for the energy problems um, throughout Europe? Is it the green energy policy? I mean, what would you point to yourself based on what you've seen? Based on what I've seen, I think the main culprits is lockdowns. Uh, the main culprits is uh, this this climate fanaticism. I think the U- the Ukraine war is almost like um, a scapegoat to, to for politicians to, of course, point the finger at. Um, we're only just seeing the 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 tip of the iceberg when it comes to lockdowns and the effects of lockdowns. It's going to have not just on the economy, but for for, for social coherence and everything else that goes with it. So yeah, I think those are the two main ones, lockdown and this this push of just eco nonsense in in my humble opinion. Yeah, I think that we're seeing a lot of that start to make its way over here to the US. Uh, Just Mm. again, to build on a lot of the points that you're making, there's this article from Bloomberg that says, how much will it cost to run household appliances in the UK? Uh, Many people warning that you guys are essentially looking for Forward to a cold winter, unfortunately, Uh, about 24 million British households will be paying nearly three times the price for energy this winter than what they paid last year. And then, you know, we have this chart here that just goes to show how much gas, Mm -hmm. electricity, how much everything is going to be exploding. Um, And, you know, I I always tell people, you know, look to what's happening in other countries as to what is going to make its way over to the West. Um, So, you know, what would your message to Americans who are trying to push these green energy policies be, you know, like as somebody outward looking in, um, what would what would your warning be for for us? Uh, You need to start speaking out. You need to start saying you you need to start going against. even the smallest of things. I, I know um, people such as Ron DeSantis has been pushing back against ECGs in business um, and these ridiculous sort of <laughs> climate goals that they're trying to push, not just on businesses, but in, to ordinary American folk as well. Um, this will come around to America um, and rapidly. Uh, you know, I know, of course, Biden is very, <laughs> in the uh, in the back pocket of um of sending billions or pledging billions and billions to Ukraine as we are as well so it's not going to be long before the U- the US is sort of caught up in that but um i think i think my message is really to speak out because some people feel if they don't have a platform they can't do anything they can't reach people but mm-hmm. it's the small steps that actually do make a big difference and don't put your time and energy into businesses or or such industries that are aren't looking to provide for you as a person so these climate these divisive climate policies that they're really hammering into not only small businesses but of course everyday life you just got to say actually i don't agree with that i think that's complete rubbish and i don't want to be involved and you give your reasons and yeah, it's the pushback is, is, I think, the best way. And a uh, final question for you, because uh, we all know that Boris Johnson is no longer the prime minister of the UK. Talk to us a little bit about your new prime minister, what we can expect from her. I was looking online and in American media, they're slandering her as far right. So does that mean she's good? Does that mean she's bad? I mean, what can we expect from this new prime minister? There is nothing far right about Liz Truss. She ran as a Liberal Democrat originally and campaigned for the abolition of the monarchy and was shouting Maggie, 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 out, 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 meaning Margaret Thatcher, um, before she slowly became a bit more conservative as she grew up. Uh, There's nothing far right about her at all, in in my view. 
she was also a campaigner for the Remain side instead of Brexit. So she does. She has changed her views since she's got on our Remain but, side, meaning Remain in the EU. Remain in the EU. That's just yeah, for that's for people who might not understand. Um, yes. So she was very pro-Europe. Um, she was a bit of a, a Europhile, as they say. So, yeah, I think now um, what we can expect from her is a few things. Um, she's mentioned about cutting taxes, which is good. Apparently that's hard right now, cutting taxes, which is really odd. Um, so cutting VAT, rolling back the national insurance, which are all very good things. However, there's a few things that are a bit troublesome. One being um, she's on the WEF website uh, that we've seen. She's actually tweeted about um, the World Economic Forum as well and that she's actually had a partnership about global Britain. So it's interesting that she was a Remainer, changed to a lever for Brexit and said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a staunch Brexiteer now and I'll help lead the way in leaving the European Union despite complete contradictory. But now... She's actually been in talks with the WEF, and this was a few, this was a couple of years ago now, saying she tweeted this, and I'll quote Great discussion at the WEF on fixing the international trade system. As an independent trading nation, global Britain will work with like minded democracies to champion free and fair trade. It's time we had rules fit for the 21st century. So, She's obviously been in contact, obviously, and had many a talks with members and affiliates of the, the World Economic Forum. That's earned a spot on the website. But nobody has challenged her about this. And that's what's really troublesome is during the primaries and the leadership debates, nobody, despite many people asking her, despite many people putting forward their questions about we need to hear what she thinks of the World Economic Forum. What is her role within the World Economic Forum? And what, what does she think? None of them had the balls to turn up and actually ask. And that's what's troublesome. So we don't know what's in store in that respect. But I don't know. It's, it's a circus here. It's theatrical in Westminster. And personally, it's difficult to trust um, any opposition or of course the conservative party because they're not conservative in in any respect they're borderline liberals is what i would sounds say sounds like the uh, republican party here in the u.s <laughs> uh, <rhinos>. well <laughs> yeah exactly well mm -hmm. lewis thank you so much for uh you know giving us an update on what is going on in the uk uh before you go and to everybody watching as well lewis's links are down below i would Highly encourage you to go follow him. He's a great reporter for Rebel News UK. He and I were in Davos together reporting on all of the World Economic Forum uh, insanity, genuinely. So, uh, Lewis, before you go, tell the people where they can find you. Oh, brilliant. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, and, of course, Telegram if you use that too. And that's Lewis underscore Brackpool. Or you can just type my full name in. Uh, on Twitter, that will come up, but Instagram, unfortunately, on shadow band. So it's Lewis underscore Brackpool. And it's an absolute pleasure to, of course, chat again, Sav. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks, Lewis. Appreciate you always. Go give him a follow, guys. He, like I said, is a great reporter for Rebel News UK. And I'm glad that we were able to get somebody, uh, you know, from the UK to discuss what's actually going on over there. As I was delving into all of these articles. Oops, sorry, Lewis. Give me two seconds here. As we were delving into all of these articles, um, and we're going to get back into this as well, because I do want to highlight for you guys what is also going on throughout Europe um, about Russia switching off Europe's main gas pipeline until these sanctions are lifted. It's an absolute crisis currently right now uh, throughout Europe. For example, per AP News, Macron urges the French to save energy, seeks a 10% drop in use. French President Emmanuel Macron is calling for a sharp 10% reduction in the country's energy use in coming weeks and months to avoid the risk of rationing and cuts this winter amid tensions with supplier Russia over the war in Ukraine. So the French now being asked to drop their energy usage by 10%. And then let's go over to Germany. Germany warns Russian gas supply woes will test European un unity. German Foreign Minister 
Annalena Baerbock warned that uncertainty over gas supplies from Russia will pose a stiff test for the European Union solidarity this winter. You know, they go on to talk about, um, again, unity between all of the countries in Europe, how they have to fight back against Russia. We did play that video, I believe it was last stream or the stream before, about a German politician basically saying, I am going to choose Ukraine and basically, you know, being a good person over my people's ability to keep themselves warm this winter. And now we're seeing videos like this one. Now, this is a video of Germans rising up in mass. Uh, this was posted just yesterday. Uh, reporters on Twitter saying demonstrations in many German cities against Olaf Scholz's policies and the sanctions against Russia that are leading Germany and beyond into the abyss. This video is in Leipzig. It will be a very hot autumn in Europe and beyond. Uh, again, this is per Radio Genova on Twitter. A little bit of what is going on in Germany. And then we can go ahead and look to Italy where due to a 500% increase in energy bills, they are now lighting candles to keep their restaurants, to keep their cafes lit. Express.co.uk had an article about this titled Coming to UK Soon. Italy shuts down lights over extortionate energy bills increase. So that's what they're seeing right now in Italy. And in Naples, People are burning their energy bills and besieging the town hall, chanting, we don't pay the bills. Now it will be chaos. So this is what is going on throughout Europe. Uh, again, another article from Express.uk titled, now it will be chaos. Naples rocked by protests as locals burn exorbitant energy bills. Unfortunately, for some reason, I could not bring up either of those articles. Um, but if you would like to go read more about that, um, go to Express.co. Those are the headlines because this is what is currently happening all over Europe. And like I mentioned when Lewis was on regarding, uh, you know, the UK now using game shows as a way to help people pay for their energy bills, watch this quick clip to understand how quickly things are deteriorating over in Europe because, again, of faulty green energy policy and their dependence on Russian oil, which they shouldn't even be dependent on to begin with. Remember that Donald Trump told Germany specifically, and we played the clips, hey, if you guys are completely dependent on Russia, it's not going to be a good time for you. I was even doing some research, and there was a CNBC article that basically said uh, Donald Trump grossly exaggerates Germans' dependency on Russian oil, uh, you know, why he's wrong, 10 reasons why this is never going to happen. Look at what's currently happening right now. Uh, Italy, we're seeing protests in Paris, we're seeing protests. I'm going to play you that clip here in a moment, but watch what's happening in the UK as energy prices increase three times the, the, the price they pre previously were. How are, your, how, how are your energy bills? Are you a bit worried about it all? Oh, major. Yeah. Are you? I've got, I've got one of these prepayment meters and it's absolutely murder. Oh, God. Right, well, let's hope it lands on one of those then. It is going to be... Energy bill! Oh my god, thank we're, you. We're paying your energy bill for four months. Oh, fantastic. No worries. Oh, oh what a relief. Thank you very much. Uh, so that's how bad the energy crisis is getting over there in Europe. And uh, yeah, everyone's just acting like, oh, it's just a fun game show. This is how things are normally supposed to run. No, absolutely not. This is not how society should be running. And that's why so many people here in the U.S. are even upset having to watch what is happening, not here in our own, own country, but worldwide, because society does not have to be this way. Now, people are getting frustrated and they are speaking out. This was a huge protest from this past weekend in Paris. Um, they're chanting, let's get out of NATO. Let me play you this quick clip. So it is a large group marching down the streets in Paris. They're holding signs that say resistance. Um, Viva la, I can't read French, but they're holding all of these signs. And again, they're resisting NATO. They're resisting this proxy war. They're shouting, let's get out of NATO uh, because they don't want to be a part of this proxy war anymore. People across Europe getting very upset. Remember as well, those Dutch farmers were protesting. They might still be protesting and the media is just silent on it because of faulty green energy policy that is being pushed by their prime ministers, by their politicians, by all of the corrupt WEF installed um, leaders 
Lewis made a great point. He said, you know, the elites, the oligarchs, they are not the ones that are affected by this bad policy, which is why they continue to virtue signal and say, oh, we're going to stand with Ukraine. It doesn't matter if the people suffer. We look like the good person to the masses. And that's what matters. And I want us all to remember as well that this crisis, one of the main reasons this crisis is happening right now with Russia shutting down Nord Stream 1 is because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. Now, I want to make sure I give you guys the correct number here, uh, but I believe Joe Biden, yep, asked Congress for nearly $12 billion in additional funding for Ukraine on top of the tens of billions the U.S. has already committed. This is from the Epoch Times, and it came out three days ago. So Joe Biden going to go ahead and send another $12 billion to Ukraine. Jordan Chattel has a great substack where he highlights where all of our taxpayer dollars and all of our weaponry that we're sending to Ukraine is going to. Titled, Black Hole as Billions in American Arms and Aid Enter Ukraine, U.S. officials receive handwritten receipts. Ukraine is consistently ranked as one of the most corrupt governments in all of Europe. Given that reality, it might not come as much of a surprise that Kiev has no functioning mechanism to track the massive amount of inflows of American weapons and aid into the country. With tens of billions of dollars of aid money allocated to Ukraine and untold billions in military equipment shipped across the border, when U.S. arms and aid enter Ukraine, it enters into a black hole given the notorious corruption in Kiev. And, you know, the writer goes on to say perhaps that's all by design. But he highlights a Bloomberg article from the weekend that was titled Torrent of Cash for Ukraine Arms Put Pentagon Watchdog on Alert. An amazing bombshell, he states, comes via a quote in the story that seems to imply the opposite of the piece's accountability theme. A Pentagon official, Inspector General Sean O'Donnell, is quoted as saying that Ukrainian officials do their accounting of American equipment and aid with hand receipts. It's all paper. O'Donnell added that he doesn't think they have much fidelity as to where the arms end up. The Bloomberg piece goes on to say, O'Donnell said his office learned that maintaining comprehensive contract grants and project records is crucial to efficient operations and effective oversight because a lack of effective record keeping had a detrimental effect on many of our Afghanistan and Iraq investigations. He said his personnel are using this lesson when projecting and conducting our extensive body of work on Ukraine. The author goes on to say it's worth recalling that CBS News recently caved to a pressure campaign and pulled its documentary examining the flow of arms and aid to Ukraine. In the original documentary, CBS News found that only 30 percent of arms shipped to Ukraine made it to the front lines and a large chunk of inventory ended up in the black markets around the world. The news comes amid reports that active duty American service members are being relinquished of vital munitions. We're basically being disarmed to prop up the Biden administration's proxy war against Russia. So on top of us getting handwritten receipts as to where our billions and taxpayer dollars are going towards in Ukraine, we also have weaponry that's ending up in the black market because we're sending it to Ukraine and via all of the corruption, it's getting sold back to other people, other unsavory characters that may or may not be enemies of the United States of America. But you know, that's no big deal. And that's a big reason as to why the energy crisis in Europe is so bad right now. Because it's a proxy war and uh, where we, the people, are the ones paying for it. OK, it is the people, the citizens of Paris, the citizens of Italy, the citizens of Germany, the citizens of the U.S. that will have to face the consequence of, again, the sanctions on Russia and green energy policy that is how many times do I have to say it? Ineffective. We're going to look here in the U.S. to California specifically as an example of that, because remember last week we were reporting that Gavin Newsom wants to basically ban the sale of new gasoline powered vehicles by 2035, I believe was the exact date. So he's trying to say, OK, everybody in California, because of carbon emissions, needs to be driving a net zero vehicle, OK? A vehicle that needs to be charged via our power grid. Yes, the same power grid that Bloomberg is reporting um, barely avoided a gigantic blackout with bigger tests ahead as the heat looms. This article came out from Bloomberg just yesterday, basically going on to say how California narrowly avoided implementing rotating outages on Monday, while officials warned that the state's power grid will face a bigger test on Tuesday amid a record-breaking heat wave. So we've seen all of the warnings that California 
has been giving to its citizens. Hey, uh, yeah, to avoid rolling blackouts, reduce your energy consumption. By the way, we want everybody to be driving electric vehicles that we also told you guys not to charge because if you charged your vehicles and also, you know, used enough energy to run as a normal society, then we would have a complete blackout. Yes, that's green energy policy for you. Just to really give you guys another example of how ineffective green energy equipment is. Uh, this is an electric mini digger in the UK. Listen to how long this piece of equipment lasted for before having to be charged with a diesel powered generator. Let's listen. So here we have the electric mini digger with zero emissions. We trialed it yesterday. It was pretty good, it's got all the power of a normal mini digger, uh, but the battery ran out after being fully charged after two hours. So here it is being charged up again. And it takes eight hours to charge it up with this big cough generator. <laughs> Zero emissions, my ass. I love the way the person recording this video ends it he goes okay this mini digger takes uh about two hours of work before it absolutely goes kaput and then it takes eight hours to recharge via this diesel powered generator net zero emissions my ass and that is the reality of green energy policy you know one of my favorite ironies in life is being handed a paper straw that is wrapped in plastic one of the great ironies of life is going to the post-millennial, okay, and reading articles like this one. DC driver gets help from West Virginia coal miners after e electric vehicle car dies. So this driver from Washington, DC, electric vehicle just dies in the middle of uh, rural West Virginia, and it's up to these coal miners to push his vehicle out of the way. And, you know, this article is hilarious because they basically couldn't even tow his vehicle because the bottom of the vehicle, yeah, it says the good Samaritan coal miners quickly realized that the vehicle could not be towed since the bottom of the car was all plastic with nothing to hook onto. They were able to push the vehicle up the road to the mine so that the driver could recharge the vehicle. So that is your reality when it comes to electric cars. And uh, Peter Sweden on Twitter made a really great point. And, uh, you know, I always love to reiterate this, that the reason why these politicians want you using electric vehicles is that way. Is so that way they can control your ability to move, right? So they can control your ability to go to a different state, go to a different area. That's why I don't even like having a vehicle with all of these, you know, fancy new screens and equipment in them, because one, there was already a chip shortage that was going on, which is why the price of everything car wise was rising, but also because this makes it easier for the government to track you. It makes it easier for the government to shut down your vehicle. I was hearing rumors that, hey, if you miss your car payment for Tesla for too many months, they can just shut down your vehicle because it's electric and they can just hack into it. So that's the reality of electric vehicles. It's giving the government more power and more control over your life, giving the government power over your transportation and your ability to move and be a free individual. That's why I say these policies are bad, but then you go even further. Our energy supply and our energy grid cannot support it. So just wanted to give you guys that and then also uh, show you guys some more realities about the green energy policies. I currently live in Austin, Texas. And when you go to the store here, you can't have a plastic bag. They'll still give them to you if you buy raw meat. Uh, so I always ask them to double bag for me so I can have plastic bags in my home. But they basically force you to buy these thicker plastic bags that were made with even more plastic. And I guarantee you, are more detrimental to the environment because they use more plastic to create. And guess what? I'm buying a new one every time I go to the damn store. So now I have like a hundred freaking thick ass plastic bags. Great job to the people trying to save the environment on that one. Uh, here's a fact that most people don't know. This comes from Alex Stepp on Twitter, who says single use plastic grocery bags are actually the environmentally friendly option by a huge margin. He goes on to show this poll that talks about grocery bag comparisons of environmental impact. Number of times a given grocery bag type would have to be reused to have as low an environmental impact as a standard single use plastic bag. 
an organic cotton bag, 20,000 reuses, a conventional cotton bag, 7,100 reuses, composite, 870 reuses, recycled PET, 84 reuses. Um, he says more info on the study here going into um, ourworldindata.org if you guys would like to read up on this story. But it basically shows that some plastic bag alternatives have high environmental impacts and would require many reuses to make them worthwhile as a substitute. For example, an organic cotton bag would have to be reused 149 times to equal a LDPE's greenhouse gas emissions and 20,000 when impacts such as eutrophication, water, and ecosystem impacts are included. This presents a complex decision. Plastic tends to have lower environmental impact for most metrics with the exception of its non-degradability and marine pollution. Our choice is therefore defined by the metrics we hold in highest regard, most of which involves the balancing of trade-offs. And again, you can make, make the same exact argument when it comes to electric vehicles, right? We talked about cobalt, lithium, all of these other uh, ingredients that it takes to create the batteries for an electric vehicle. If you look at the environmental impact when you are mining these various minerals and sources, I didn't even know if minerals would be the correct word for this, um, these various ingredients for electric vehicle batteries, the impact to the land and the environment far more severe than our carbon emissions. I guarantee you that. And with that, we will wrap up the energy crisis portion of this show. I always say to look across the seas and to other countries as to what could come here to America. If we do allow the implementation of these failed green energy policies, if we do allow the implementation of the U.S. sending billions more to Ukraine and continuing this proxy war with Russia if we do not gain our oil independence back. Remember that Joe Biden earlier this year was begging Saudi Arabia and OPEC, a.k.a. Russia, to pump more oil because the gas prices are rising so much. And everyone was like, hey, why don't we just pump our own damn oil? Except Joe Biden won't do that because he's handicapping the U.S. and destroying us by design. But that's a whole nother issue that we're actually going to delve into right now because many of you did see Joe Biden's speech last week. Now, I did an early show last Thursday, right before his speech, and I basically predicted, hey, this speech is going to be horrible. He's going to attack Republicans. He's a communist. He's a dictator. He's an authoritarian. Take your pick on the verbiage that you want to use. But Joe Biden is a straight up authoritarian dictator who is trying to calm down on his political opposition. And then he came out with this whopper of uh, an optic, okay? These were the optics that Joe Biden and his administration decided to go with as he completely bashed his political opposition and anybody who doesn't agree with his complete insanity. So for my podcast listeners, what you're seeing is Joe Biden in front of a backlit red terrifying building. I'm not sure which building this is because, again, anytime it comes to Joe Biden, I probably should be more informed on these smaller details, but I literally do not care about Joe Biden or anything that he says so much to the point where I don't care where he gave this speech, even though I know there is some historical context as to why he gave it here, which probably makes this even worse. But he has two Marines in the background. He's utilizing the American military to make active threats towards MAGA Republicans, which he is calling a threat to democracy. And he has continued to say time and time again, we played all of the clips from Corinne Jean-Pierre, our own press secretary, saying that Republicans are a threat, that we're extremists, that anybody who does not go along with the narrative of the Biden regime is basically somebody to watch. OK, the FBI has come out with their own um, terrorist imagery to look out for. And that has had the Gatson flag on it. Ashley Babbitt, anybody who doesn't trust the government. Remember that the uh, DHS updated their what was it called exactly? I want to make sure I'm getting the terminology correct here. Uh, but it was basically like one of their terror. Oh, I can't believe that I'm blanking on this. I always remember it and I always cite it. The DHS updates their terrorism bulletin. That's what it was to basically say, hey, if you're showing distrust in the government, then you're a domestic terrorist. So that's where we're currently at in the country. And just to highlight to you guys how we are living in two different Americas, because I do like to do this ever so often, this speech really was a defining moment for the Biden administration and for this country. Joe Biden's speech was a defining moment for Americans decide, to decide, do I want to side with the authoritarians in charge or do I want to side 
with freedom-loving Americans who care about this country. Let me just reiterate to you what Joe Biden and his administration think about you when you question elections. They're allowed to do it all day, every day, because keep in mind, they campaigned on the 2016 election being illegitimate, on Donald Trump being an illegitimate president, and they tried to impeach him twice over it. But if you question the 2020 election and Joe Biden getting more votes than Obama and all the discrepancies that happened there, then you are a domestic terrorist. Here is Peter Ducey, one of the only reporters who genuinely presses Karine Jean-Pierre on the realities of what we're all currently living through. This is Peter Ducey asking Karine Jean-Pierre a legitimate question and her, of course, once again, not being able to respond. Let's listen. The new attention on the MAGA Republicans. You tweeted in 2016 oh, Trump stole an election. You I tweeted, was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, great. here we go. <laughs> you tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now, yeah. why would So let's, let's be really clear. That... That comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have oh, been, yeah, I have ridiculous. been, well, you're asking me, you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was Wait, ridiculous. I was, I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the, what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. So it's ridiculous for Peter Ducey to ask this question because Karine Jean-Pierre knows exactly what she did. She was questioning an election because the Democrats lost actually fair and square. And so they tried to trash Donald Trump and they're still doing it. They're still weaponizing the DOJ, the FBI, all of our intelligence agencies against Donald Trump as it stands now. But then when half of America with their own two eyes watches election day turn into election week and Joe Biden's polls literally skyrocket in the middle of the night, you're not allowed to question that because you're an extremist if you do that. And that is the two-tiered system. That's the two-tiered psychology that our country is currently being run on. Now, we are consistently asking the question, what do real Americans care about? Do they care about sending billions more to Ukraine? Do they care about using the correct pronouns and making sure that kids can get gender affirming surgery, which is actually just mutilation? No. What do Americans care about? Do you think they care about if our vice president introduces herself with her damn pronouns in front of the international community and in front of the world? Do you think Americans care about, um, I don't know, getting Democrats who are going to release violent criminals back onto the streets of their cities? Do you think they care about that, getting those people back into office? No. Donald Trump lays it out perfectly here. He understands what Americans talk about and again or care about and again love or hate Donald Trump he does still have his his hand on the pulse of what's important to the average American in this country he says the US is rapidly becoming a third world nation crooked elections no borders a weaponized justice system and FBI record setting inflation highest ever energy prices and everything else and all including our military is woke 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 most dangerous time in the history of our country and after Joe Biden's speech many of us completely agree with that there were so many liberals okay keep in mind even Dave Portnoy who recently came out and said that Roe v. Wade was a horrible decision and overturning that was a horrific decision. Dave Portnoy, who has attacked my good friend Alex Stein because Alex has a spine and actually stands up for his political position and stands up for his country. Even liberal Dave Portnoy came out and said, yeah, uh, Joel Biden's speech looked like Hitler and Stalin had a baby. That was his exact quote. And then you even have... Uh, liberals like John DeFeo on Twitter, who says, I'm not a Republican and I have zero admiration or respect for the Republican Party, let alone Donald Trump, whom I reviled since before he was president. That said, I consider this iteration of the Democratic Party to be the greatest threat to U.S. democracy in my lifetime. So when you even have people on Joe Biden's side of the aisle, those who still suffer from Trump derangement syndrome coming forward and saying, yeah, this is an actual threat to democracy. When you have liberals who were the craziest of the crazy, even now saying, yeah, I don't really want Joe Biden in office because I can't afford grocery bills anymore because the grocery store shelves are going empty because there's record high gas prices because criminals are running rampant. We don't have a border anymore. I doubt liberals would go that far. But when you have the majority of America calling Joe Biden an authoritarian dictator and telling him that he looks like a 
Hitler, Stalin, authoritarian baby. Yeah, there's probably an issue. Now I want to highlight how the left is already preparing for 2024 because you guys all remember the period between 2016 and 2020 being extremely violent. The political violence that was out on the streets because Black Lives Matter and Antifa, the militia wing of the Democratic Party were activated and they were out on the streets, actual domestic terrorists destroying our country and terrorizing and killing Americans for the course of four years, okay? Because this wasn't just like a, oh, 2020 was bad. No, there were old men in Naga hats getting sucker punched by Antifa members because they had the audacity to support their president and support their country. Now, going back to what Donald Trump said, I want to highlight the difference, the stark difference between the left and the right right now. So Donald Trump, very much on the pulse of what is at the forefront for Americans and the main issues on their mind. And then you go over to leftists like uh, these guys, the good liars, these guys are very popular with the left wing and they essentially go and do man on the street type bits for the left wing. They're propped up by Twitter because they're huge leftists that don't have a brain. And they went and they did this this little bit at uh, Trump's latest rally. They said, handed out top secret documents at the Trump rally yesterday. Luckily, we declassified. Now, they made this video as like a a joke trying to say like, oh, Donald Trump was wrong and the feds had to raid him because he had classified documents. And, and the reason why I wanted to highlight this video is because it's such a joke. And what they don't even realize is what they're doing is essentially what our own DOJ, our own FBI did in raiding Donald Trump's home, politically persecuting him, and then throwing the classified top secret, super important documents across the floor and taking a picture of them and putting them on Twitter. So congratulations, you actually highlighted very perfectly the fact that these documents were not that classified, were not that important, and that this an entire situation with the feds raiding Trump was political persecution. So good job to those guys for highlighting that point beautifully without even realizing it. Now, what are the Democrats going to focus on ahead of 2022 with the midterms? What are they going to focus in on ahead of 2024? They're going to focus in on abortion rights because we did see the Supreme Court destroy democracy by allowing people to make the choice regarding whether or not they want to fund abortion in their states. How that was a destruction of democracy, I will never understand. But you had women up in arms in front of the Supreme Court. I was there literally crying because SCOTUS had the audacity to put power back into the people's hands. So Democrats are going to make this the main issue that they run on ahead of 2022. Uh, per the Washington Post and Sprint to November, Democrats seize on shifting landscape over abortion. And one of those Democrats is, of course, good old Eric Swalwell, who loves sleeping with Chinese spies and selling at America all day, every day. He says there isn't going to be a red wave in November, but sure as hell is going to be a row wave. Okay, Eric Swalwell, sit down. You're cringe and you're a horrible human being. So just shut the hell up. I, if Eric Swalwell was never heard from again, I genuinely would be happy. Not that I would ever wish ill on a politician, but that, uh, you know, if he, he never spoke again, it would probably be better for everybody in America. But to the point, being made in the Washington Post. This is what Democrats are going to campaign on. Why? Because they are the party of death. They are the party of attacking children. They are the party of mutilating children, okay? If they can't kill your child in the womb, then they're going to try to mutilate them, confuse them, and destroy their lives outside of the womb. We're seeing that with the gender mutilation surgery from the transgender community. Remember when Ralph Northam was the governor of Virginia and he point blank said, yeah, if a mom gives birth and then decides she doesn't want her baby anymore, she can kind of make the decision to have a post birth abortion, a.k.a. kill her living child. Yeah, those were actual quotes that were made by Governor Ralph Northam. Go ahead and look that up if you uh, don't believe me. So the Democrats going to run on the hashtag row wave ahead of November. Very sad to see what this party stands for. Going even further, uh, Variety came out with this piece regarding Jennifer Lawrence, who says a riff with her Republican family was reignited over Roe v. Wade. She also has nightmares about Tucker Carlson. Yes, these are the mentally healthy people that we want running our country having nightmares about Tucker Carlson because, you know, 
you see this type of story, you see this type of headline and ridiculousness, and you think that this is uh, central to just Jennifer Lawrence. No, this is your average MSNBC pundit. This is your average Democrat politician having nightmares about Tucker Carlson, thinking that there's KKK members running around the U.S. trying to destroy democracy when the only people really destroying democracy or people be the people having an actual say are Democrat politicians and leftists. Jennifer Lawrence says, I don't want to disparage my family, but how could you raise a daughter and believe she doesn't deserve equality? Now, this is coming from one of the most spoiled white women in America, okay? Because if you're, and I don't even want to make this a racial thing, but genuinely, if you're a Hollywood celebrity, you're one of the most spoiled people in America. Why? Because you advocate to take away people's guns while you're surrounded by armed security. Because you advocate for uh, the police to be defunded while you're in your gated community. And then when BLM comes and knocks on your door and says, hey, we're going to loot your neighborhood, you go scream and cry. And then you go buy another mansion far away because you don't want to be around the crime anymore. It's Jennifer Lawrence who says, oh, I don't have equality because of my vagina. I get paid less, not because I'm a subpar actress and nobody watches my movies and I'm irrelevant, but because I'm a woman. I don't have equality because I can't grew, like, you know, gruesomely murder my child because I wasn't responsible enough to go on birth control or maybe not be a slut and have sex. I can't kill my child. And that means I have no equality in America. You know, Lizzo tried to pull the same exact thing where she was like, we need to fight for our rights. We need to go and vote. Lizzo, shut the hell up. I am so tired of any Hollywood elite celebrity who makes millions of dollars complaining about how they're oppressed. It's absolutely freaking pathetic. And it is the epitome. It is the epitome of the elite spoiled attitude that the majority of Americans have. We're spoiled in this country. We're comfortable in this country. We have never really faced true inequality with anything. We've never had to fight for anything. We've never been oppressed, which is why all of these people, all of these celebrities have to make up fake oppression and make up fake problems for themselves because they're so bored with their sad, pathetic lives because they have nothing to live for. They have nothing to fight for. So they make up these fake problems. They make up these fake mental illnesses and they're all on these big pharma medications. And they don't know what to do with themselves. Why? It's because they've never faced true adversity in their lives. Now we live in a very soft society. And like I said, trying to propose more solutions here for you guys. One of the best ways for us to achieve our true success as individuals is to put ourselves through adversity, okay? Doing something that you you hate every single day. That's why I promote products to you like old country soap, okay? I'm not just selling you a product because I'm trying to make money. I genuinely use this product because it's good for your health, because it's good for your mental and physical health, and not just the soap, but taking care of your body, making sure that you're putting good products into your body, on your body. Um, I was even thinking about it, right? And even the chemicals that are put into our mattresses to make them anti-flammable, those chemicals are seeping into our skin. Those chemicals are bad for us. The food that we're ingesting, the water that we're ingesting is chock full of chemicals and horrible things that will destroy our hormones that lead to depression. There's so many studies of fish that were, uh, found to have antidepressants in them because these antidepressants and these big pharma medications make their way to our water supplies. We know that the government is spraying different chemicals into our air supply every single day. So everything in society is positioned to basically kill us faster, make us depressed. And then we have an entire society and an entire culture that embraces coddling everybody and making everybody feel valued and important and validated. No, we should be pushing each other in society to do hard things and to live a a hard life, right? To go to the gym, to lift weights, to go do something that you hate every single day, to try to make a change into society, to push back, to eat healthy. If you, you know, if junk food is your craving, then maybe your hard thing every single day, maybe what the, the advert, the adverse thing that you're trying to fight back against in your life is just not eating junk food. Okay, that in itself is going to be a good thing. And we as a society need to fight harder and be better. And that starts by taking care of yourself. We're just so coddled as a, as a society and I just get so tired of it. And I haven't even been doing that on the streets in a while because I just get tired of listening to these entitled people and having to sit there and 
listen to liberals who are living off of the government, living off of their parents, now getting their student loan debt paid off by the Biden administration, a.k.a. me and you, crying about how oppressed they are, crying about how if we don't vote for Democrats per Kathy Griffin, then you can expect a civil war ahead of 2022 and 2024. This is our political opposition right here. Kathy Griffin, if you don't want a civil war, vote for Democrats in November. If you do want a civil war, vote for Republicans. Again, it even gets worse. Rob Reiner, another Hollywood fatty, says this midterm, there is no gray area. You either cast a vote for democracy or fascism. That's it. And that's what our political opposition thinks of us, okay? These people are not Americans. These people themselves are fascists. If you want to look into fascist tactics and what fascists and Nazis actually did to those who oppose them, it's this type of uh, verbiage, right? You dehumanize the class of people that you eventually want to eradicate. And that is what the Biden administration, that is what all of these Hollywood elites do to us every single day. Perlow and Lauren Boebert, first Biden stated that attacking MAGA Republicans, oops, first Biden started attacking MAGA Republicans in Congress as destroying democracy. Now he's accusing hecklers at his high school gym rallies of destroying democracy. Destroying democracy is simply code for opposing Joe Biden. And that is some super dangerous language. A hundred percent, Lauren, a hundred percent. And because I didn't even want to focus in on this divisive speech, uh, I will just play for you a little bit of the reality of Joe Biden talking about the right wing, but then that paralleled with the actual actions of the left wing from back in 2016 to 2020 and what we will see in 2022 and beyond as we make our way to 2024, whether it is Ron DeSantis, whether it is Donald Trump who runs for president, the left plans on getting violent. They plan on getting activated just as they do every single time we have a run for president. Every single time we have an election, they get reactivated, they get violent, and they have their message and their voices heard. That's why we need the new right who's going to stand up, be bold, and stand for our community, stand for our fellow man, and not allow these people to take over and bully us. So here's a true excerpt of Joe Biden on the soul of America, uh, paralleled with the left wing and their actual violence. Listen. The will of the people, then they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law to the very soul of this country. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. The willingness to engage in political violence is fatal to democracy. More and more talk about violence as an acceptable political tool in this country. There is no place for political violence in America, period, none, ever. So there is the reality of what we're all currently living through. It's kind of insane because basically anything that the Biden administration purports to be true, it's the exact opposite, right? The Inflation Reduction Act is actually going to make inflation not reduce, but accelerate. Joe Biden saying, oh, we're not in a recession. Actually, yes, we are. Joe Biden saying that it is the right wing that are violent extremists and a threat to democracy. No, it's actually the left wing. It's actually the Biden administration. Joe Biden saying that paying off student loan debt is going to be great for the economy and great for America. No, it's actually the exact opposite. So which America do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a clown world where you're consistently fed lies and you believe them because you're so, you know, immersed in the metaverse and you're ready to eat the bugs and live in your pod, or you want to live in a free, loving society where you can drive your gas-powered vehicle and you can have freedom and you can eat steaks and you can be happy and you can have a family and traditional values and you can have children and not be scared of climate change or COVID-19 or having to wear a mask for the rest of your life. Which America do you want to live in? Because we are living in two stark realities right now. That was the first reality where you're consistently force-fed lies and psychological manipulations every single day, or the America that is freedom-loving, red-blooded, and happy and prosperous. This is a new ad for Ron DeSantis, and I just want to show you the difference between the two Americas. And every single American is faced with this choice, right? You can take path A, Joe Biden lying to you, destroying our economy, destroying our supply chain, destroying our prosperity, or you can take path B of freedom, of individual choice and liberty, 
and just watch this ad and look at the difference in not only optics, but in realities, okay, with America here. Let's watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Ron DeSantis. Today we deliver for the people of Florida yet again. We saved our jobs. And kept us going. They tried to shut us down, but you saved our business. $1,000 bonuses. You had our backs. And honored our service. You led by facts, not fear. And you let us decide. You let me go to school. You gave me a voice. You put us first. And didn't let them keep us apart. You let us learn. You let us compete. All of us. You protected our right to worship together in person. And you raised our pay. You protected our waters. And kept Florida beautiful. When they attacked you, you didn't cave. You stood strong for Florida. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Gracias, Governor DeSantis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. So there's your choice between the two Americas that you want to live in. An America that is run by an authoritarian dictator, Joe Biden, that is going to continuously lie to you and feed you false propaganda. Or in America, like Florida, where you can work, you can be prosperous, you can make your own choices, you don't have to live in fear. Which America do you want to live in? Because the time is now for you to choose ahead of 2022. Also, make sure that you're paying attention to your local elections and you're voting, okay? Whether that's your local school board, your mayor, your governor, I don't know, I don't care. Just go and vote and make sure you're paying attention to all of these local elections as well as statewide elections. They're all extremely important. Don't just wait until 2024 to vote for the president because it really is the smaller people down below that are altering your life every single day. I said in the last show that we really don't have a sense of community anymore and we need to get out and get active in our community so that way we can all band together and make a more prosperous community for each other. That's one of my greatest solutions is just getting out and going and talking to your fellow man So pick which America you want to live in and go try to influence your fellow man regarding which America they want to live in as well. Because we all know that we're being faced with a barrage of psychological torture, genuinely. That's what it feels like every single day. I get so exhausted even having to keep up with politics because it's absolutely ridiculous. And Joe Biden is just such a dirty liar. And it's like, get this man out of office. Kamala Harris, nobody wants you here, okay? You're the worst affirmative action hire this country has ever seen. The only reason they hired Karine Jean-Pierre is because she makes Kamala Harris look that much better. And actually, you know, two Karine Jean-Pierre's, um, uh, you know, to her, I guess, I don't even know what the word for this would be, Um Good for her that she can actually string together a sentence and coherently respond to a question because we know Kamala Harris has no ability to do that. We know that Kamala Harris is continuously like, well, you know, space is cool because space is in the sky and Americans went to space and space is in space. And it's great. Like, at least Corinne Jean-Pierre would have been like, um, well, if you would like to know more about space, please consider speaking to NASA about space because I have no idea about what I'm talking about. So, I mean, to Corinne Jean-Pierre's credit, at least she has uh, coherent abilities to answer questions. Unlike VP Kamala Harris, who knows where the hell she's been? I have no idea. When Donald Trump was in office, homeboy was here. He was there. He was in a different state. He had a three-hour rally going on, and then he was flying to a different country, okay? He was dealing with international policy. He was throwing starbursts at freaking Angela Merkel in Germany. It was a wild time. Now Joe Biden's freaking on vacation and Kamala Harris is doing whatever the hell Kamala Harris does. Nobody has any idea. Anyways, guys, that's my wrap for tonight's show. We went over the UK and just the European energy crisis as a whole. We understood the realities of green energy policy. We had Lewis Brackpool of Rebel News on to talk about that. If you guys missed it, please go back to the beginning of the show and go listen because it was a great interview regarding what is happening in Europe and what could come to America if we continue to try to depend on these green energy policies and allow other countries to pump our oil. And if we are dependent on other countries for oil when we do not need to be one final announcement before I end the show as well, I will be speaking at AmFest 2022. It is happening in Miami, Florida at the Trump Doral from October 6th through 8th. If you guys would like to go see me, I would love to see some of you guys in person and meet you go to www.ampfestmiami.com and use coupon code S-H-E-R-N for $20 off your ticket. 
That's AmpFest 2022 happening October 6th through 8th in Miami. I hope to see you guys there. And with that, that I am wrapping up the show. Again, big shout out to our sponsor, Old Country Soap. Again, I do not sell you guys products or even suggest products that I do not use for myself. And when I say use for myself, I mean, I've been testing this soap out for a month. I even gave a couple of boxes to my family and they absolutely love them. When I tell you this soap is so bubbly and lathery that you can even shave with it, it's incredible. And uh, I always hype up products that I really love. I always hype up the beef liver supplements for you guys because you guys are asking, okay, Seth, your skin looks great. How, how are you happening? How's that happening? And I'm like, okay, it comes from the inside and also what you're putting on your skin. So these are the products that I use. These are the products that I would suggest to you because we need to make sure that we are at the top of our game always, both mentally and physically. So go check out oldcountrysoap.com, coupon code SAV for 20% off. Go and check out ampfest.com, get a ticket so I can meet you in Miami this October. And please remember, if you do like the show, to go leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts as I do read each and every single one. And with that, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You are a great audience and I I appreciate you always. My name is Savannah Hernandez and I am signing out.